Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Hi, I'm Mark Striegel, host and producer of this show since 2005. On this episode, we're going to talk some rock, some metal, and anything else we feel like. We're also going to jam some tunes, have a drink, and share some honest opinions. Thanks for listening to the Talking Metal Podcast. Let's get things started. Here's an old classic that sounds just as good today as it did when we were kids.
Hey guys, so glad you're back with me here on another episode of my podcast, Talking Metal. Going strong since 2005. Thank you for supporting us. Please like our Facebook page, connect with me on Facebook, and also follow me on Instagram, follow Emily on Instagram. We have three great guests today, so I'm not going to talk much because there's uh, some long interviews, a ton of music coming up, but let me tell you, we got Dan Lorenzo, who is such a cool dude. I love this guy. He's helped me out so much uh, with some tattoo work I was having done recently. And uh, just a real class act, and his music is beyond great. There's so much of it through the years, and out, I believe it's September 22nd, is the brand new Vessel of Light record uh, featuring, of course, Dan Lorenzo. He's going to tell us all about that and so much more, so stay tuned to, for the interview with Dan. We also have Pertrubator, who is, I love this guy's music. You guys might hate it. I don't know. It's like, it's, it, listen, there's not really any guitars. It's, he's a DJ. I know it's weird for talking metal, but he played at Heavy Montreal. He's kind of got a gothic, dark vibe. You know, if you like the music in Stranger Things, I know a lot of us love that show. You might dig what this guy's doing because, He's. It's not exactly like that, but there's hints of that. Uh, a lot of vintage synth sounds, a lot of drum loops, a lot of, I'd say, almost gothic sounds in this guy. Who's he's a DJ. I mean, really. But stay tuned for him, and we'll play some of his music li- way later in the show. But right now, I want to get into an interview that my great buddy Ian McCurdy hooked up once again for Talking Metal. He scored so many great interviews for us, including that one earlier this year with Eric Singer, which was just great. But he is back with me now, Ian McCurdy, to talk with Bill Temple, a guy he's been friendly with. Now, if you're wondering who Bill Temple is, he was Vinnie Vincent's right-hand man as far as uh, you know, being a roadie. and Well, you'll hear the story. Bill will tell us all about it. And we get to hear about some amazing times that Bill had with Vinnie Vincent through the years. So stay tuned. Uh, actually, don't stay tuned. We're going to hit it right now. It's coming up in about 60 seconds. Quick plugs. Please support Talking Metal. Please support the uh, our sponsor, YouTube Music. I'm going to be coming back with more info on that in just a bit. And yeah, let's rock and roll. Here we go. This is Bill Temple on Talking Metal, interviewed by Ian McCurdy and myself. Hey, it's Mark Striegel, and on the line joining me once again, a guy who's done some interviews with me in the past, Ian McCurdy. You're back on Talking Metal. Hey, Ian, how are you? Hello, it's good to be back. Hello, Talking Metal listeners. Thanks for joining us, and you always are able to pull in some great interviews for us, and I I am always grateful to you for that. And today is no exception, because also on the line, we have a friend of yours. His name is Bill Temple, and he has been a guy who's been in the music business for a long time, and we wanted to talk to him and hear a little bit of his story today. Bill, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. Okay, uh, we're glad to have you on the line with us here, Bill, at Talking Metal. Uh, just want to um, start off, uh, how did you get your start in the, the music business and doing tech and things like that? 
Uh, I was about 14 years old, and a band played in my high school gymnasium, and I helped them load out, and uh, I ended up hanging out with them for a couple of years, and then uh, teching for them, kind of, um, and then they started paying me, and then uh, around 1974, I started working for a band called The Gods, um, and I really, uh, I first started getting paid to do it. Um, guitar tech for Mark Chatfield, who is now with Bob Seger, um, was with Mark for about 15 years. Cool. Okay. And, uh, and then, yeah. I got to not not meet you, but I saw you down at the the Kiss Expo in Atlanta, where you were hanging out and doing some work with with Vinny. Um, and I think some of the Vinny Vincent fans might know your name to be associated with Vinny. But you, you mentioned that you know you did. Uh, who who is the guy you just mentioned? Mentioned you did some work with. Who's with Bob Seeker? Mark Chatfield. Um, okay. uh, he was with a local band here in town called The Gods. And, cool. Uh, uh, you know, we were a bar band in 1974, around 19, they put out an album and we started out on the road with Jesus Priest, Royster Cult, stuff like that. So, uh, as a warm up band and Angel, um, so, uh, we, we did a lot of stuff in 78, 79 and then the band broke up and Mark went with, uh, another band called Rosie and then he went with Bob Seger in 1983 with him from 74 to 83. Cool. And so there was Mark, there was Vinny. Were there other guys that you, you did much work with through the years that we might know of? Um, I was with Accept for about six months uh, on a Wasp tour. We were a uh, oh, wow. warm-up band. Uh, Metal Church was with us. I was Wolf Hoffman, Peter Baltez, Tech. Uh, I was with Hurricane for a little while, uh, Robert Sarzo and uh, Tony Cavazzo. Right. Uh, okay. I worked with Pete Way with uh, Wasted, Pete Way and Paul Chapman. Uh, from UFO, the band Wasted. Um, and there were a couple others. The Outlaws, for a while, that's an old 70s band. Um, yeah, Outlaws. So, I loved Wasted, by the yeah. way. That that album, uh, what was the Vices, was a great, great underrated record. Yeah. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, yeah, Pete's a great guy, too. So were you with Wasted when they were doing the Iron Maiden tour, or was it a different tour than that? Uh, we were actually doing a small headlining tour. They were putting a new album together um, in Cleveland, Ohio, believe it or not. And uh, we were just doing um, some small bar gigs just to kind of keep warmed up for the studio. So we were headlining. Um, pretty small gigs, you know, but, uh, but you know, it's just kind of like a live rehearsal is what they kind of wanted to do. So uh, more of a little private setting. Right on. And you mentioned Wolf Hoffman, too, who's just been such a favorite of mine through the years and a guy who just has such an, like an incredibly unique sound and tone. It's just so recognizable. And as somebody who worked mm-hmm. with him on with his gear and, and, and helping him with getting that tone, how much of it is the gear for a guy like Wolf Hoffman and how much of it is just his, his fingers, his personality, his, his soul? Well, it's more him than uh, the effects and stuff. I mean, it's, it's nothing like Satriani or Steve Vai that uses a lot of uh, you know different effects type stuff. But uh, it was it was more just him and the guitar. Um, he did have a small pedal board, you know, but uh, not too much on it. You know, a little bit of boost, chorus. You know, nothing real heavy. But uh, so it's more him than anything. Right on. And what year were you working with uh, with Wolf and Peter from Accept? That was right after uh, Vinny Benson. It would have been like, uh, God, probably 1989. It was the Eat the Heat tour. Uh, we had um, the lead singer was uh, David Lynn Reese. It wasn't Udo. 
Um, and uh, Stefan Kaufman was our drummer for a while. He had to leave mid-tour, though. So, um, you know, so and we were with Wasp and Metal Church. So we were in the middle. Um, so, yeah, Eat the Heat Tour was about, you know, 89, I think it was. Right on. Cool. And and so you said that was after Vinnie Vincent. But correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm going by memory here, but at the Atlanta Kiss okay. Expo, where, where you were there and... and you were at least handing Vinny the guitar, I know, and I and I suspect you were maybe working on the guitar and getting it set up for him before yeah. that. Um, he mentioned that you'd been with him for, did he, and again, I may be wrong. I know the 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 ex the fans probably know the exact quote, but he he mentioned you'd been with him for thirty years. Is that is that something he said? And is that correct? What I'm saying? Friends for thirty years. I mean, I I worked with him. From about 1986 till about 1988, um, we lost track for a while. Then we got back in touch again when he was doing the Euphoria um, CD, and then uh, we kind of lost touch again. And then uh, got back together um, right around a year ago this month. Wow. Okay. So you know, it wasn't a wasn't a you know like you know we we were uh, you know working with him in the studio or anything. So, but we've been in contact off and on for 30 years. So. Wow. So, so how did you all meet? How did we meet? Um, yes. How did I was you and Vinny uh, uh, I was with a band called Rosie and uh, Mark Chatfield, and uh, we were playing a small town in Ohio. And uh, this was 1986, before cell phones, and I was uh, uh, at a hotel there. And uh, the knock on the door, uh, the hotel manager told me I had a long-distance call in the uh, lobby. I went down. Um I answered the phone. He said it was Vinnie Vincent. I didn't believe him, and I hung up on him. And uh, <laughs> about, about 15 minutes later, there was, you know, I mean, he said, this is Vinnie Vincent. And I'm like, yeah, right. You know, I thought somebody was pranking me. So went back to the room. About 15 minutes later, there was another knock, and I came down and, and you know, answered. And he said, no, Bill, this is really Vinnie, and, um, you know, I'd like for you to come to L.A. and work with me and see if we can get along for a couple of weeks and then see how it goes. So you go to L.A., you meet up with Vin, Vinny there, and you guys are seeing if you get along. Does that mean he's seeing if he likes the way you work on his equipment, or just was it more like a personality thing? You're hanging out, you're you're seeing if, if the personalities vibe. I think it was both. Um, he uh, was having problems with uh, the guy that was working with him uh, in rehearsals there for the first invasion tour. Um, and that's basically what it was. I went out for rehearsals, um, and, uh, we rehearsed at SIR in, in, uh, California. And, uh, so I think it was kind of both, you know, he had, um, the, the Jackson guitars with no fine tuners and that's very difficult to take care of because you can't tune them in at the bottom, you know, with the little tuners. So, um, I was able to take care of the guitars. I guess, uh, there was a story about him, um, before I got there, uh, the tech that he had, um, you know, I mean, he was playing, he was, uh, in the studio mixing, he was listening back, he was tuning, playing, you know, so he was, he was doing a lot of stuff by himself. And so the guy that couldn't really handle it, uh, I guess that Benny, um, got mad one day and, uh, poured lighter fluid on the guitar to let it pissed on it and then uh, threw it at the studio window. Yeah. Right. I've heard that story. <laughs> threw it at the, uh, yeah, yeah, threw it out the window uh, where the guy was sitting at. Um, 
you know, and, and uh, he uh, he ended up he stayed with us. He ended up being our drum tech, uh, but uh, but uh, he just uh, couldn't do the guitar stuff. So and uh, you know, like I said, you know, I, I when I worked on Vinny's guitars, I spent several hours with them before he even picked them up, just to be sure everything was right on. You know, did he have a? I mean, he had he had to have a locking tram on on the the Jacksons, right? Or no? Yeah, they were locking. Yeah, right. So, oh, okay, you know, I had okay. to. Uh, yeah. 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 Okay. So, yeah, so that's, that's why I spent a lot of time with him. You know, he had, yeah. And was he using like a Kaler uh, or a, a Floyd Rose on the Jackson? It was all Floyd Rose, all but Floyd. it was like the original, you know, the, yeah, one of the very first few that were, you know, made that uh, without the fine tuners before they came up with that idea. Right. Okay. So you get out there, you're at SIR, they're rehearsing, you're working on the guitars, you're interacting with him. And, and this is Robert. Fleischman is gone at this point, and Mark Slaughter's there. Well, where are we with the invasion lineup? Yeah, Robert was already gone, and they were rehearsing with Mark. Um, you the know, album's out, though? The album's out already? Well. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and we were... Uh, we uh, went several times from... Uh, Alice Cooper had a, a a place out there where he... We went a couple times and went over and, you know, stayed with them during the rehearsals and, uh, you know, checked out how we were going to set up our gear with their stage set up because, you know, it was a big theatrical thing, uh, Nightmare Returns tour. Um, so it was pretty big. And so, uh, you know, we were doing things like that, too, you know, going in and, and you know, just meeting all those guys and seeing how that was going to go. But it was Mark Slaughter at that time. Right. And. So you meet Vinny, you're working on his guitars, you're interacting with him. How was the vibe? You guys got along well? Well, you know, at first, you know, I was a little shaky because, you know, I, I uh, you know, had only been, well, I mean, we were pretty big, the gods were pretty big, but, you know, Vinny was, you know, kind of one of those, uh, you know, godlike figures or whatever, you know, I mean, I was, I was a little bit nervous, but, uh, but you know, the first couple of days, you know, it was a little rough, but, uh um, after that, you know, we got along pretty well and, uh, you know, well enough that he, you know, kept me on. So, um, yeah, so, yeah. Cause he a, seemed a different kind of, you know, at the, at the expo, when, when he spoke about you and, and called you out to the audience and you kind of stood up there, he seemed very uh, emotional and, uh, like, like you were somebody that he, he really, had a lot of respect for and and cared about um, at least me being in the audience i was actually right on the side of the stage there where you were standing i i, I felt okay. some sort of it seemed like there was a connection and a love between the two of you guys yeah we um you know i mean uh after, after being on the tours with him you know i mean i i took care of uh you know it's kind of like his valet too you know i mean i i you know carried his bags to the bus i made sure that he had uh, you know, his own private dressing room so that he could rehearse for a couple hours before the show. You know, I made sure that he, you know, I brought him his dinner, you know, I mean, in the room, you know, nobody was allowed in there except for me, not even band members, you know, while he was rehearsing. So, um, you know, so we got to be pretty tight because, uh, you know, it's pretty much me and him on the road with three other guys. <laughs> so, right. Um, kind of strange, but, um, uh, they, you know, there was uh, a little animosity going on with the band, you know, when we were out, especially on the second tour, you know, so, uh, so I was his, uh, yeah, well, he even told me, you know, that I was his representative, you know, whatever he told me was what was 
going to be done and sometimes he would send me with special messages for the rest of the band you know and so you know we got you know we were pretty close um because you know we were you know on the road for a few months at a time so uh you know and we were always good friends you know we both had kids we were both uh missing our home you know and so we talked about our families and our kids and you know so you know we we just became buddies you know so now after that very cool experience yeah, I can imagine. After that second record was out and and you're out on tour, is there a point where you and or Vinny kind of realize, hey, this isn't going well with, with Mark and Dana? And is there any any clue that they're getting ready to split and leave together and do their own thing? Um, there were... You know, probably about midway through, I I don't know exactly what happened with the three or with them and Vinny. Um, I'm I'm sure there was some kind of a you know a disagreement, but um, we uh, the band would come out on stage and practice for a little bit before Vinny would come out, and then they would play a couple of uh, tunes, you know, to warm up. Uh, they were playing Slaughter songs in rehearsal, um, so you know, I kind of got the idea that you know they were there was something else going on. They were you know playing a couple of the uh, songs that was going to be on the first album um and uh you know right. the the dressing room thing got you know a little bit more intense you know they uh uh you know Vinny didn't want the band in there with him you know he would go on he would come off uh he would go into the back lounge of the bus you know sit that back there with an acoustic guitar so they didn't really a lot after uh about the middle of that tour so um yeah you i mean you could kind of tell that there was something going on but uh the writing was no, on the wall really. type of thing. So, so you were yeah. saying, so you say during sound check, Dana and Mark yeah. be playing Slaughter songs. The songs. Yeah, that and Bobby. On yeah. The first. Correct. Yeah, with Bobby. Yeah. Interesting. So, were they doing yeah. like up all yeah. night and stuff? Were they already? Do you remember specifically what uh, songs were they doing? You know, Fly to the Angels. They weren't doing like whole songs, you know. They were just doing like pieces of, uh, uh, you know. They they weren't doing "Flight of the Angels" yet. They were doing, you know, a couple of the other tunes up all night, that kind of stuff, a little bit more rock stuff. Um, kind of working stuff, you know. Out. And then, uh, yeah, yeah. So you know, they play, you know, like maybe one one verse or something like that, you know. And uh, uh, but they weren't trying to hide it, you know. That's for sure. I mean, because they were at full volume, you know, and Vinny could hear them in the dressing room, so wasn't like they were sneaking or anything, you know, I mean, they were, uh, you know, it was obvious that they were playing those songs, <laughs> you know, I don't know if any knew, uh, that they were slaughter songs, you know, that could have been anybody, you know, it could have been, you know, you know, Mark just playing somebody else's tune, but, uh, so sorry, I'm so, outside and there's a train. Now. <laughs> no worries. So at, at what time frame was, um, we heard Vinny tell a story at the expo, in January about some kind of uh, judgment where somebody showed up to take back gear and guitars and things like that. What it, what exactly was going on that people showed up to take things from Vinny? We were in Worcester, Massachusetts, and um, somebody who was on uh, the demo tapes uh, from Warrior uh, he claimed that uh, it was his uh, drum tracks on uh, the first Invasion album, 
Okay. So uh, he uh, he sent the uh, the local police in. Uh, there was you know some kind of I don't know how much money supposedly he. Uh, we had all of our gear out on the floor of the stadium we were playing in, or uh, the arena, I'm sorry, uh, and um, opened up for Alice Cooper. And uh, so I was sitting in uh, a small dressing room, uh, you know, working on the guitars, and uh, a buddy of mine came running in and said, don't ask any questions, hide Vinny's guitars. <laughs> and so, you know, I knew something was up. You know, I, I didn't know that the police were there looking for stuff. You know, he didn't really explain that. He just said, hide them, you know. And uh, so I put them in their cases. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm in a little brick room with nothing but a stall, a toilet stall in there. Um, so I uh, put the guitars in their cases, put them up on the uh, seat of the toilet, locked the door, crawled out under Rode out of order on the door real quick, and the couple of police came in, and that's uh, that's what they were looking for, you know, because that was Vinny's signature. They were only two on the planet back then, you know, so. Wow. Um, so that's what they wanted, you know. So, uh, so yeah, I just uh, walked them up in there and crawled out, and you know, went, you know, Vinny asked, you know, if they got the guitars, and I, you know, I kept shaking my head, telling him just, you know, I talked to him in a minute because we, the police were still there, and I didn't want to say no, they're in the stall, you know, so. Uh, so that, that's pretty much it. But they did confiscate everything that was uh, out on the floor. They didn't take anything out of our equipment truck, but anything that was sitting down on the floor with the Vinnie Vincent logo on it uh, was taken. So we had to make do uh, rent gear from a couple of different uh, music stores there in Worcester, which there's not a whole lot of, you know. So we had a drum set that was four different colors, and you know we had uh, you know obviously a couple of black Marshall cabinets, and it wasn't the stack that we normally use. The, pyramid stack so um you know it was it was uh interesting you know <laughs> but uh, but uh, you know at least i was able to keep them from getting those two things and that was what they wanted you know wow oh. hey and and bill so as a kiss fan i i gotta ask you and and i know that i mean you can choose to pass on this question if you if you want because I, I know it was okay. probably private time between you and Vinny but it sounds like you were probably one of the the people that was the closest to him during that invasion time period did he talk much about his time in Kiss were there was there animosity towards Paul and Gene did did that come up much when you'd hang out with him and have more personal private conversations yeah, he didn't really talk about them too much, and um, sometimes, you know, like we, if we were, um, you know, when he was signing autographs and stuff like that, he really didn't like signing Kiss pictures. Wow. Um, so he, uh, you know, he was having, a, you know, somebody would hand it to him, and he would just kind of like roll his eyes and go ahead and sign it, but, you know, he he really didn't, he wasn't really into it at that point, you know, so, uh, but, you know, we never really talked about it too much. Um, okay. Uh, not very much at all, really. Right. Fair enough. Fair enough. When you look back at that time frame, you know, touring those those two records and and hanging out with Vinny, what are some of your fondest memories? Besides maybe this, I mean, the story you just told Ian was was great, but were there any other real great moments that kind of jump out to you? Um, you know, um, we we had several little things happen. We were um, we were out on the road. This is kind of a, a it's not a, fu a funny or a great story, but uh, we were out on the road. The warm up band uh, was having some issues. They thought that we were co-headlining, 
uh, and they and we weren't, um, but they thought that we were. And uh, we, uh, I got into an argument with their lead singer guitar player one night while they were at the stage. I moved guitars out of the way, but I was messing with his wireless gear, and I wasn't. And uh, so they attacked me in the equipment truck at the end of the show, and uh, they were let go immediately. They, you know, once wow. Vinny found out, you know, he said, yeah, yeah, he said that could have been me, you know, and that's Bill. He's my guy, so these guys have to go. So uh, they were fired from the tour you know, like on the spot. So, um, so that was kind of a, you know, a weird thing to happen. He and I, who, I mean, who, we, what band know, was that? When, I mean, can you, do you mind saying what band that was or, or no? Uh, uh it was, uh, Tracy guns, LA guns. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They, they physically, the band uh, physically attacked you. They, yes, uh, they were, um, yeah, I, um, I I just, uh, when they had done a guitar change and I just picked up the guitar and moved the strap out of the way because I was bringing Vinny's guitars down to the stage and, and he just happened to see me and uh, Tracy did and he thought that I was, you know, messing with his gear and he, uh, you know, he came up and got nose to nose with me and started yelling at me, you know, that, uh, you know, I would, that we didn't like him, you know, and I told him I thought that they were a glorified um, cover band to get out of my face and... <laughs> Uh, so their, uh, their bus was basically parked, um, uh, with the front of the bus at the back of our equipment truck. And I was, um, uh, you know, taking Marshall cabinets in and, or Carvin or Laney, whatever, you know, and, uh, stacking them in the truck. And they kept, uh, flipping me off every time I would come out to the back of the truck. So, right. um, I basically just did some hand gestures to Tracy about, you know, something he could do orally to me. And, uh, all the whole band came out of the equipment or come out of the bus and uh into the back of the equipment truck and started uh beating on me pretty much wow. uh, pulled my hair you know that's a couple diamond oh. earrings you know <laughs> yeah and our t-shirt guy um uh grabbed a hold of tracy and pulled his arm up behind his back and uh told everybody to stop and everybody got out of the truck when that happened so you know it was just a real quick uh little five minute you know bash in the back that's of the truck that's insane <laughs> yeah yeah, 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 and then he wasn't real happy about that. You know, I mean, I you know I had a couple scratches. Uh, one night we were uh, with, we were with Iron Maiden, and he used to throw me his guitar from across the stage. And one night it um, hit me in the middle of the chest, and I had a huge bruise on my uh, right of brow where my heart is. And, and uh, when I showed it to him at the end of the night, you know, he said, "Well, you know, I'll never do that again." And I said, "No, let me just show you how to launch it to me the right way, and then we'll do it every night." You know, so. <laughs> Wow. But, you know, like I said, you know, we were, we got pretty close, you know, I mean, I, I would, uh, every time I would go in the dressing room, he was usually playing and, you know, he would just kind of nod to me, you know, or, you know, stop for a minute. We would, you know, he would ask something, whatever, you know, and, um, but, you know, we, we talked a lot about our kids and our, you know, our wives at home and, you know, stuff like that, you know, so, I mean, um, nice quiet time, you know. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you guys had a great relationship and one of the few people that he trusted and, and you sticking up for him, maybe even taking some punches for him. I mean, that's, that's really, uh, sounds like yeah. it was a, a pretty, pretty tight relationship. <laughs> yeah. So you guys, yeah. Had, you guys yeah. had a really good friendship. Yeah, we were pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. We were pretty close. You know, I, we, I, we had a couple little disagreements after the Atlanta thing and I haven't spoken to him for a while for um, since April. Yeah. Okay. But I'm hoping that, uh, that the changes before December. Okay. Yeah, and I wanted I wanted to talk to you about that, but before before we hit that, so through the years, you know, Vinny kind of 
I mean, it's no secret. He, he disappeared. You know, there were some initially some little reappearances here and there, but then he had vanished and no one could find him. You know, even Rolling Stone magazine right. was out hunting for him and, and big corporate right, yeah. mag. They, they, you know, they wrote that what I thought was a very well written uh, article about people looking for or for, you know, a reporter yeah. looking for him. But during that time that the world is basically wondering, where's Vinny? You're you're still right. in contact with him. You know where he is. You know how he's doing. You have a a, a line on him. I I didn't for most of that. You know when he called me um, about the euphoria stuff. Um, I I had been in an auto accident. He asked me to come down there and help him do some stuff. And I was rehabbing my. I had a broken leg after a car wreck. So uh, he wanted me to come down to Nashville and help him out. Uh, you know with the euphoria. Um, stuff and I wasn't able to and then um, he disappeared again shortly after that yeah, he had a recording studio um, at uh, I think three music row in Nashville so you know he was findable then right. and then uh, right after that right after that CD was uh, done things happened and that's when he disappeared again so I didn't have contact with him for the years in between Euphoria uh, the second album in Euphoria and then again from euphoria until last year so okay. uh, i i kind of had a couple of friends that kind of knew what was going on with him uh his attorney is a friend of mine uh, uh and i you know so we talked off and on about uh Vinny. um there was uh, a guy from one of the fan clubs uh had given me some info and and uh and I had gotten a hold of Vinny's attorney, so you know, I kind of we kind of through his attorney got back in touch, but uh, that was only for like maybe a year before, uh, about two years ago, three years ago maybe. Which at that point he was still pretty, you know, uh, missing in action. I guess he was, you know, to to the public. So it's interesting that you were back in touch with him at that time, and and I guess you are invited to his his reemergence in Atlanta. I mean, Ian was there. I was there. We all flew in from all over the country. That was, you know, for Kiss fans, for Vinny fans. That was a, that was a really emotional time to see Vinny reappear there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I was, I, I, I mean, I'll tell you, I was literally getting choked up that first time. I think it was the Friday when he, he came into yeah. the, 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 whatever it was, the little room there before they'd opened it up to the, uh, to the actual expo. I was there and it was the first time he'd appear, oh, yeah. appeared in public in, in decades. And, and yeah, I, I, I'll never forget the feeling I had, uh, to see him just walk out on that stage and, and say hello to us, which was a smaller group on that Friday, you know, and then, then the mm -hmm. next two days yeah. it was like, you know, I don't know how many people, it seemed like th a couple thousand people were there, but that Friday when he first came, it was a smaller yeah. group and it was just, it was so, uh, great to, to finally see him again and, and know that he's, he's okay. And, and you, as as his friend and and somebody who had been close to him in the day, were were pulled into this just amazing weekend at the Atlanta Kiss Expo. And uh, how did how did that all come about? Did he contact you ahead of time and say, "Listen, we're doing the Atlanta Kiss Expo. We want you there," or was it the attorney? How, how, what happened? Uh, Vinny called me himself, um, and wow. it was really odd, you know, because my um, my uh, 
girlfriend and I were shopping, you know, and I had told her, you know, over the years, you know, that uh, if he ever called, I had to go, you know, so she right. she kind of had the heads up. That, but, you know, I never knew if he would ever call or not. So, you know, I'd heard about the expo. Uh, I had talked to his attorney several times about coming down there. Uh, and then, you know, one day, you know, we were out and, you know, and he, and he called and, you know, I about had a heart attack, you know. <laughs> I just, you know, I wow. go, well, and he goes, Bill, it's Vinny, you know, and I was like, wow. You know, I had to get out of the car and pace, you know, because I was so freaked out. And he said, uh, you know, he wanted me to come down. And, uh, you know, we uh, talked about how we were going to do it. And, uh, you know, we uh, we almost called off me coming down because of weather. Uh, I drove uh, from Ohio to pick him up. Uh, we drove together. So we had a nice uh, little reunion and, you know, on the way there. You know, we talked about a lot of stuff, you know, that uh, he some of the stuff that he talked about on stage on the way there. And he was really nervous and so yeah so he did he did call me um you know i and uh the trip down you know i like i said we uh, five hours i think from here to his house and then we uh another few hours in the car with him uh but we uh nice little chat uh he opened up a little bit about some of the stuff you know that was going on with him you know uh, that he was going to talk about and kind of ran it past me you know like what do you think you know should i say this or not you know and uh and um you know, I told him you should just, you know, just, you know, wing it, you know, just talk about whatever made him feel comfortable, you know, and, you know, uh, if he didn't want to say it, don't say it, you know, and he, right. after he got started, you know, once he, once he, you know, met the audience and, you know, uh, felt that he was wanted, you know, again, you know, cause I think he really felt like, you know, like nobody cared anymore. And, um, which is, you know, was he, they, was he aware uh, of like, Rolling Stone magazine a few years before that trying to find him I mean was he aware of that stuff because that you know I interviewed Vinny not long ago and uh, I got that same you know he kind of told that same story that he you know I didn't know if anyone cared anymore it, yet it mm-hmm. to me I mean the, the Atlantic Kiss Expo said it all people flew in from literally yeah Australia everywhere Finland <laughs> yeah Japan yeah. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. not exaggerating the thing was sold out and no. tickets were yeah. were you know I mean they weren't given tickets away let's put it that way you know people paid to get there people right. some people paid a lot of money to get a picture with Vinny to say hi to Vinny uh, yeah and people cared you know so I, and but he he really still driving to to the expo didn't realize that people still cared no, he we had no uh, no idea it was going to be like it was. So when when he came through that door, you know the the first time, you know when I walked in through there, right. um, he uh, yeah he he was kind of shocked, you know, and then uh, you know I think uh, there were several times where you know he looked like he might cry, you know? so uh, I, you know, and I don't know if you want to put that on there, but um, uh, but you know he was pretty emotional about it. Um, uh, you know, when uh, at the end of the night, you know, when I took him back to the room and stuff, we talked about that too. You know, about how you know how many you know how much love there was there for him. You know, um, I think that maybe he thought that when those magazines and things were trying to get a hold of him, that they were gonna you know bash him over some of the stuff that had happened. Uh, you know, that was like the arrest and that sort of stuff. I I, you know, I think that they right. that he didn't want to talk about those things. You know, the- so. 
Right. And there was just so many rumors and stuff and stuff. I'm sure that he just didn't, you know, he's made it clear even to this day, it seems like he doesn't want to really address a lot of that. So, so, sure. but I just thought at the, at the expo, there was, there was so much love and, and it was such a special weekend, the Atlanta kiss expo mm-hmm. in, in yeah, January. And Ian, I'm sorry for co-opting the interview. I'm going to let you get some questions in here, but I just want to, I just, I just want to point out that you were still someone that he had so much trust in the fact that he basically reached out to you and said, I need Uh you there. You were the guy who drove him there. I mean, this is a guy who doesn't really have, and I mean, I'm generalizing and I'm speculating here, but doesn't have dozens of people around him that he trusts it seems like it's a small group of 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 trusted individuals and you were one of those people that he trusted enough to have there with him and wanted there with him and had had you drive him to the 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 expo i mean i just think that that speaks volumes yeah it was uh you know it was uh pretty emotional for me too you know when you know i mean we talked almost every day until uh it was time for me to go pick him up you know which uh i think we started talking uh in august of uh last year you know and, and all the way up until january and i you know i hadn't seen him didn't know what to expect you know and and uh you know it was just like you know when i uh, when uh i picked him up it was just like we'd never really not talked you know i mean it was uh right. it was, you know so like you know just like it was in you know in 1988 you know i mean we just uh immediately you know bonded again and and uh you know we, i you know we could talk to each other without feeling you know like he was saying something he shouldn't or i could you know comment back you know well you know this is how i think about that you know and you know i told him that uh he was uh worried about you know um the same up and you know i kept encouraging him you know telling him it was going to be fine you know that just you know just talk and say what you want and just, you know, you know, think about what you're saying before you say it, you know, so, you know, I could be honest with him and, you know, and that's part of what I think why he wanted me to be there. Cause you know, like, you know, whatever he would say, you know, bounce off of me, I would give him an honest opinion instead of trust, you know, being a trust, you know, yeah. Being a, yeah. Yeah. Instead of me being afraid to say, you know, well, you shouldn't do that or, you know, let's do this. I told him in August too, that I, you know, I said, um, you're going to play guitar, aren't you? And he said, I don't, I don't think I will. And I said, well, I'm going to have one there. So we'll just see how that goes too. Yeah. So a friend of mine uh, from Atlanta brought a guitar in and, um, you know, he uh, played it a little bit backstage. I restrung it and got it ready for him and had it on the stage. And uh, so it was kind of impromptu, you know, he he really wasn't going to play. And, uh, you know, I had the guitar already and, you know, he decided to do that. And, uh, and then um, I looked around when he started uh, back on the streets. I walked around, or looked around, and I saw Robert. And I went and got him. And I, I said, "Come on, you got to go up here and sing this with Vinny." And he said, "No, this is Vinny's day, you know." And I said, "No, this will be cool, you know. You got to do this." So, uh, so finally, he came up. You and, orchestrated and, uh, that. Wow. Yeah, 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 definitely, yeah. Yeah, and it was very cool, you know. Robert and I had a nice chat after that, you know, and that was really, uh, I think, uh, kind of a high point for both of them. You know, I mean, it was pretty emotional for Vinny and and uh, and Robert both, you know. So I mean, it was a oh, cool thing to be able to see. Absolutely, and when you see that video, and when Robert gets on the stage, 
If you see mm-hmm. the video that's all the way back, you see all the cameras come up, everybody stands up, and it's just, mm-hmm. it's a moment that you um, rarely see something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, in, a, in that kind of a setting, too, you know what I mean, with uh, that few people. I mean, there were, you know, a, a lot of people there, but, um, you know, but it, it was pretty neat. I thought, you know, it was, um, I, you know, it, 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 you know, it's kind of rough, you know, but it was, uh, you know, it was impromptu. So, you know. Cool. Cool. And I, I think it's pretty clear from what you've been telling us here, and, and I love hearing your stories, so thank you so much for sharing them. But it's sure. it's it's pretty clear that, and I know we're way over the allotted time that we told you we were going to have you on the line, but I, oh. I, I just I just wanted to to make clear that that you were were a very trusted person through the years and devoted possibly even taking punches for, for, for Vinny, you know, and, and, um, you mentioned that you haven't spoken with him since April. It seems like things are in motion. We're hearing he's doing this show in December and, and, you know, he is, he's doing the, he did, at least he did some of the conventions and stuff earlier. What, what happened? I, I don't, I don't understand. I mean, here's one of his, you're one of his most devoted soldiers. And now, now you're, you're out of the picture and cut off. Was there an incident? Did you guys have a, an argument? What, what, what went down? I mean, if you don't mind me asking. I, you know, I think there were several things, uh, you know, he, um, he got a new, I don't know if you want to call him a manager or not, but uh, Randy Dietrich uh, came into the picture. Um, he had been out with Peter Chris. Um, there was a, you know, a little bit of a money issue. Um, uh, you know, he wanted me to come down to Florida, um, but uh, you know, and it was the beginning of you know him starting to you know um, make money again and you know you know attract attention. Um, I kind of disagreed with. Uh, the uh, the shows that he was doing, you know, some of the horror shows and stuff like that. I thought he should be doing more stuff like what he's doing in December. So uh, Randy and I kind of butted heads about that a little bit. Um, and, um, you know, he, uh, then he, you know, like I said, he was just starting to make money again. Um, I don't think that uh, he could really afford to have me uh, just come down, you know, for 10 days and, and you know, pay me a couple grand, you know, because he was just, just starting over, you know. So, um, you know, that kind of got a little sticky there. You know, I told him, you know, how much I needed to go, you know, and then uh, he said, well, we can do it for this much. And I said, that'll be fine. You know, we'll work it out later. Uh, that was one thing. Um, and then uh, uh, my wife took a picture of me one day um, wearing a prototype T-shirt that was going to be released at the uh, Florida show. Um, it wasn't supposed to be out there yet. And uh, that went on the, on Facebook. She posted, she posted it, and uh, he sent me a message, and he said, uh, "Oh, by the way, nice shirt." So, and I could just tell what he was saying to me, you know, like I shouldn't have been doing that, and uh, that was a part of it, I think, too. Um, you know, he wasn't happy about that, um, and you know, I mean, I got like I had like 750 likes on that, and he wasn't getting as many likes at that point for some reason, you know. So, I I think I. Uh, I think I kind of pissed on this parade a little bit with that one, you know, um, and, uh, so, and there was no phone call. Uh, there was no, you know, uh, 
see you later. We're not doing this anymore or any of that. It was just uh, the next day I was just deleted from any contact, no, uh, no phone, no email. Uh, no cell phones, nothing, you know. I mean, I, anyway, I tried to get a hold of him. I was blocked. I uh, I couldn't even uh, like or comment on things that he posted on Facebook. He blocked me that far. So, um, uh, and then, you know, um, it also happened to three other, the other three friends that he mentioned that day also um, were terminated. So, uh, you know, uh, I, I don't want to mention their names, but you know who they are probably. Um so uh, all four of us were basically cut out, uh, wow. and Randy was running the show. So um, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure it had partly to do with uh, new management um, or whatever Randy's role was, uh, you know. And then I I feel really bad, you know, about that all happening. You know, I mean, I I I told Vanina I was sorry about the shirt, you know, and and uh, all that stuff. You know, I wouldn't let it happen again without talking to him first. Uh, it was just kind of a little mistake, but you know, um, there were, I think there were several little things. They were just, they weren't big things, you know, it was just, uh, you know, um, I, I think money was, I think money was probably a big part of it. You know, he did, I don't think he wanted to tell me that he couldn't afford to have me come down. So he just didn't have me come down. Um, okay. you know, and I posted some stuff, uh, <laughs> I made a bad post. I, you know, I, I said that if, uh, uh, if it weren't for me, he wouldn't have made it to Atlanta. Uh, if it weren't for me, he wouldn't have played guitar. If it weren't for me, right. he, you know, Robert wouldn't have got on stage. But you know, so I said some things I shouldn't have, and I think that didn't add that added to it. You know, I didn't help right. any. Right. Uh, had he ever told you? I, I mean, delete it. Had he ever told yeah. you? Don't you know? Here's a, like you got this shirt that hadn't been released yet. Yeah. You put it on. You took right. your wife took a picture of it. Had had there ever been? any word from him or Randy or anybody like, Hey, don't, you know, here's a shirt, but don't show it to anybody. Don't take, don't put it on social media. Had there been a warning on that? I mean, or no, any not at hint? All. They, no, right. <laughs> Nothing. No, no, he, um, you know, and I, and I didn't think anything about it, you know, I mean, um, he, uh, you know, he gave me like four of them, you know, out of, uh, you know, out of a box that, uh, that we had there, uh, that, but they weren't for sale there uh, in Atlanta. And, um, you know, so I didn't think anything about it. You know, I was wearing it out to the, you know, out to the clubs in Ohio, you know, and, you know, people were talking about it, you know, I thought, you know, so I didn't really think much about it, you know, and, and, uh, of course, uh, she didn't, you know, Rhonda didn't think, uh, that it would, you know, I don't think she thought anything about putting it on the internet, you know, so, <clears throat> so no, no. So yeah, he didn't, uh, no mention of not wearing it. No. Right. Wow. Okay. Well, I think it's yeah. very. I think it's very rare when you have a a true friend for a long time. So I think things can be forgiven in time. Well, you know, I, yeah, I kind of think of it as you know, like a little brotherly spat. You know, I mean, you know, brothers. Uh, you know, people that are close, like he and I have been. You know, you know, stuff happens. You know, and um, exactly. so you have a little disagreement and get over it. You know, I'm over it. You know, so. I was kind of hoping that he would be, you know, I would love to go down to uh, Memphis and, and be there for that, you know, and, um, you know, I mean, his first live show, um, I should be there, but, you know, um, we'll see how that goes. You know, I, right. I would, I, if he called and asked me to do it, I would be on my way. That's all there is about that, you know, and, yeah, um, and well, my I hope wife so. knows that too. Just, yeah. I, I wouldn't even hesitate if, you know, if he called me, you know, right now and said, 
uh, can you do Memphis? I'd say, yes, I'll be there, you know. Thought right. about buying a ticket and going, but, uh, you know, I don't want to be, uh, I don't want to go uninvited. So um, right on. it would be nice to see him play, but, you know. And just just hype that a little bit for the listeners. I'm sure most of them know, but if you don't know, guys, Vinny Vincent is returning to the stage for the first time in 30 years, I believe. He's doing two nights at the uh, the Graceland Theater in is that is that right, Ian? Graceland Theater. Yeah, yes, it's called the Guest House at Graceland. Graceland. It's a okay. brand new theater at Graceland. And, and what is um, that? This December seventh and eighth. Yes, December seventh yeah. and eighth. Yes. Yeah, it sounds like it's just going to be a, a great night for fans of Vinny and and uh, a lot of fun. So. Um, yeah. If you're if you're a big so Vinny too. fan, you should definitely be there, and and I, I I hope you're there, Bill. I really I really think you should be there. You're part of the legacy. Yeah, I'm a, well, and I'm a big Vinny fan too. You know, I mean, so you know, I'm not, uh, you know, I mean, um, the songs he did with Kiss, you know, great tunes. You know, uh, the the two uh, albums were awesome. You know, and then uh, just watching him play, you know, from the side of the stage, watching him shred like that, it's it's incredible. You know, to be yeah. that uh, that close up trying to watch him play and stuff so i've been in pretty much in awe of him too you know while i've been working with him so you know i'm, I'm a big fan too so um of his not really kiss but uh you know so I, i'm hoping that uh you know we might better work something out um well, there so. again you know I, I don't have contact with randy or him either way right now so have you tried to reach out to him since april or or no i i have yeah. yeah, I um, just the, no, I had no a couple response. of numbers that, uh, that yeah, yeah, they were kind of stashed back in my phone that I'd forgotten about, and I uh, went through and I found them, and I uh, I texted one day, and uh, they said I had the wrong number, but they didn't identify themselves, and then I called one time and left a message and just said, you know, hey, if this is Vinny, you know, it's Bill, give me a call. So, right. Yeah. So you about it, but, uh, not really sure so if I don't ever got to him. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. Right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Any other musical things you have going on right now that you'd like to tell us about? What's uh, what's currently going on with you besides talking to us? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, well, you know, I, I still stay involved in stuff. You know, I work at two different arenas here in town. So, you know, we oh. just did Fall Out Boy a couple of days ago. Uh, oh, my son loves um, Fall Out Boy. You know, uh, we were just watching yeah. Fall Out Boy videos before, <laughs> before I got on the line with you. He's obsessed. Is that right? Yeah, oh, he right. loves yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, he's yeah, a little kid, good. but yeah. yeah. Sure. Yeah. Also well, saw, also saw that you just met up with Bobby Rock too after a while. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, he. Uh, uh, they uh, they did a festival here in town. Brett Michaels and him and my friend Kyle Davis is uh, Brett Michaels' drum tech, and uh, so uh, you know I went out there. Uh, yeah, I wasn't sure what to expect with Bobby, you know, because we hadn't seen each other since Anaheim in 1988. You know, the last show that we did out there. Um, I walked Vinny one way, and the band went the other way, and that was it. Um, so, you know, I hadn't seen him for all those years, and I thought, you know, there might be a little animosity because uh, Vinny and I being so tight, you know, and, um, you know, Vinny basically said, you know, if I tell you to go tell them something, that's, you know, my word, and they have to listen to it, you know. So he actually asked me one night to go uh, fire Mark and Dana, you know. Wow. And I said, I, I can't do that, you know. Yeah, he said, well, you know, I'm telling you that that's, you know, I said, I'll go get him and bring him in here, and that was about two weeks before Anaheim. Um, so, uh, you know, um, for him to trust me that much, you know, to go to tell me to fire half of his band, you know, so, um, yeah, I thought maybe Bobby might, uh, uh, you know, might not want to see me because, uh, you know, I, um, cause I was Vinny's guy, 
Um, but, you know, we hit it off right away, and I actually ended up drum teching for him that night. He didn't have a guy with him there, so I uh, you know, hung out with him for the whole show. And, you know, he mentioned me in his book, you know, which was very cool of him. And um, so, you know, we uh, we kind of talked about, you know, some stuff in the future. Maybe if he uh, if they do like a headlining tour and he needs a tech, you know, we might, you know, he and I might hook up on something like that, too. So. But, um, you know, here in town, you know, we just did Beyonce and Taylor Swift, you know, big stadium shows. And so I work wow. those and, you know, so, yeah, I stay, um, you know, I still stay. I do a lot of corporate events, too, here in town, work for a different, couple of different, um, a backline company and a, uh, a sound uh, audio lighting company. So I stay uh, pretty busy here in town. Cool. But, uh, Good for you. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, Excellent. all those things though, you know, they'll uh, they'll wait. You know, if I if I get the call to go with Vinny, you know, they would, uh, you know, when I get back, I'd still have all those jobs. So, right, that's the cool thing about it. <laughs> Vinny Vincent takes priority over Beyonce and Taylor Swift. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, Very definitely. Cool. In my world, Very it does. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. Well, in our world too, definitely. Yeah, Ian, you got anything else for Bill? We we said twenty minutes. I think we're at fifty right now, so <laughs> this has gone way <laughs> over. And we appreciate your time, Bill. I, I don't take it for granted. Thank you so much for talking with us. Well, yeah, you know, yeah. I um, I, you know, I debated whether I should, you know, do any of these because, um, you know, and I obviously I didn't ask Vinny's permission to do any of this. You know, so um, I uh, I was kind of worried that I might say something that I shouldn't, you know, that would make things worse or uh, something like that. But, um, but this has been really cool. You know, you guys have been really cool. And, and um, I, when I decided that I was going to do this, there were a couple other podcasts that asked me, you know, if I would do uh, um, their, their show. And, um, but I, I wanted to work with you guys first, you know, cause I, I, you know, I, um, I, you know, I know from just chatting with Ian over the phone that, you know, that this would be a, a good thing, you know, so, you know, no bashing or any of that kind of stuff. So that's what I wanted, you know, and, and so that's what, you know, I wanted to work with you guys first. So, well, thank you. Um, I really appreciate you. Yeah. appreciate you guys talking to me too, you know? Well, well, I mean, just like you, I mean, we're a little bit, not quite on the inside as, as you've been, but we're just, we're Vinny fans too. I mean, we love right. everything that he's done. From you know, yeah. for me, it's the it's the Kiss stuff. It's it's that first solo record that he did with with Robert. I I just love that record. It's one of my all time favorite records. Side one, especially. Yeah. I love side two, but side one it just uh, when I was a kid, it just it was really an important record for me. And you know, just mm -hmm. always it was always there for me. And I just lift that needle up and play side one of that record over right. and over and over <laughs> again. And I, uh, I, I loved it. And, uh, we thank Vinny for the great music that he's given us through the years. And we, we thank you for being, uh, one of, one of Vinny's guys. And it's great to talk with you, Bill. Yeah. You know, one thing that, uh, is kind of funny. Uh, um, I, uh, I've never heard uh, anything off of, uh, revenge or animal eyes. Um, or any of the other stuff that he did with Kiss, uh, "Lick It Up" is the only album I know of his. Right. So uh, it's you know really strange. You know, people ask me, you know, like, hey, don't you listen to everything he's played? You know, and I'm like, no, I, you know, um, uh, just the invasion stuff, pretty much, and the "Lick It Up." Right. So, yeah. So well, I think with Kiss, he did Creech, he did Creatures, my... right? Creatures yes. and "Lick It Up" and right. and and Revenge. Yeah. But Revenge right. is one of my favorite Kiss albums. I would say go get it like tomorrow. <laughs> Really okay. good. It is a good album. Yeah. Heart, Heart of Chrome is great. That's what he 
co-wrote Un- and unholy. unholy. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right out. Yeah. 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 See, I don't know those songs. Um, it's kind of weird, but um, you know. And then uh, you know, I was kind of trained. Uh, most of the guitar players I worked for were, you know, like Mark was pretty strict. Uh, Wolf and Peter were very strict. Pete Way was very strict. You know. So when I hooked up with, you know, well. You know, they were after, but, you know, Mark uh, Chatfield, you know, from Bob Seger, you know, he was, uh, you know, got me on my toes. So when I worked with uh, Vinny, I was, you know, already used to kind of, you know, not, 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 I don't want to say servant, but, you know, I mean, I, you know, took care of whatever needed to happen on stage for him. So made it happen. So. Cool. Cool. Ian, you got anything else for Bill or should, uh, should we let him go? No, that's it. That's uh, I just want to just thank you for uh, giving us the exclusive uh, talking with us, and uh, okay, it was a great it was a great conversation, and we're really Absolutely. glad that you were you picked us first. Bill, you've been awesome, and again, what a, what an honor to talk to you. Thanks so much for joining us on Talking Metal. I I really appreciate it, you know, and and um, you know, hope to talk to you guys again soon, maybe December. Yeah, yes, please. Maybe so, and thank you so, so much for. Uh, uh, giving us the exclusive on this. Thank you very much. Certainly. Not a problem. Thank you, guys. All right. Uh, big thanks to Bill Temple for joining us here, and a big thanks to Ian McCurdy for hooking that interview up. We're going to get into our interview with just uh, one of New Jersey's greatest, <laughs> Dan Lorenzo. Love this dude. And... Yeah, I'm getting a, a tattoo the other day, and he comes in to visit me while I'm getting a tattoo. It meant the world to me uh thanks thanks dan for doing that and uh yeah your music is awesome we really encourage the talking metal listeners to support the new vessel of light album we're going to hear some music off it it's fantastic so stay tuned for that and you know it'll be cool you can this new vessel of light album woodshed you'll be able to hear it everywhere he's got it on cd i'm sure you'll be able to get it on all your favorite music streaming services including youtube music which is not just youtube it's youtube music it's a new app that combines everything you expect from a streaming service with the magic of youtube and it just brings it all to life it's so great we highly recommend you check it out and with the youtube music premium you'll get ad-free music that plays with the screen off or while using other apps. Finally, that's awesome. They're doing that and get music whenever you want, wherever you are. Even if you're offline, like on an airplane, you can still hear YouTube music. It's great stuff. Download the new YouTube music app today and start your free 30 day trial. Go download it and and listen to some Vessel of Light. Listen to your favorite glam metal Heavy metal, doom metal, sludge metal, commercial hard rock, stoner rock, all the stuff we love here, thrash, you know, death metal, melodic death metal. I, you know, I, I'm not a super crazy death metal guy. I do like the melodic death metal a little bit better than the straight up death metal. Um, black metal, eh, 
It, I, I like the story more than the music when it comes to black metal. Whatever, whatever you guys like, it's all on YouTube music. So definitely download that new YouTube music app today and start your free 30-day trial. Then pay just $9.99 a month, about the same you'd pay for any of these streaming services. But I, I really think YouTube music is, is better than most of them. And, of course, the terms and restrictions apply. Thanks, guys. That is our, our call to action for YouTube we, we love YouTube music, and we hope you check it out, all right? And without further ado, let's get into my chat with uh, Dan Lorenzo that took place in my, my basement about a week ago. Here we go. Hey, it's Mark Striegel, and I'm sitting here in my basement with the one and only Dan Lorenzo of Hades, nonfiction, The Cursed, and of course, Vessel of Light fame. Dan, how are you? I'm really good. Thanks for having me on again. You bet. And you just handed me this record that's about to come out. I still call them records. CD. Woodshed. Vessel of Light. And you've been playing me some tracks, uh, some sneak peeks and stuff. It sounds fantastic. Let's just recap. I know you've been on before, but for the listeners who may not know the story behind this this band or project, what do you call it? you call it a... Um, well, at this point, it's a band. Right. Cool. But the story is um, I did a record in 2007 with Bobby Blitz from Overkill called The Cursed Room Full of Sinners. Sure. We played only one show. We had talked about doing a second record, but then kind of Overkill took off because of uh, Ron Lipnicki. Right. Who I introduced to Blitz at one of my Super Bowl parties. Drummer Ron, yep. And uh, Overkill had a huge resurgence, so The Curse kind of got forgotten about real quickly. And I went back to, uh, I did a Hades reunion in 2010. We opened up for uh, Twisted Sister in Queensryche at a festival in Germany. But that was pretty much it for me. It was 2010. And I literally would rarely pick up a guitar for about six years. I had no interest in being a musician or trying to get a record deal. Um, I thought I was done as a songwriter, done playing music. And less than two years ago, I was uh, on a trip, going on a trip to Austin. And even though Gina and I, my wife Gina and I are totally straight, I Googled Stoner Rock Austin or Doom Austin. And I found Ancient Wisdom and the song was called The Opposition. I love that song, which you introduced me to. And and not just that song, I've really become a big fan of of Uh, They're amazing. So I watched The Opposition, I listened to it, I said, my God, that's one of the catchiest songs I've ever heard. So the lyrics were like, you know, satanic lyrics. And I go to church and I have a Jesus tattoo. Right. But I reached out to Nathan and I listened to another song called Death Like. And that song blew me away by Ancient Wisdom. And I, I started writing to uh, Nathan saying, hey, man, I never heard of your band. I mean, and it wasn't even easy to get a hold of him because I'm not on Facebook. Right. And we started corresponding via, via email. I wrote about him in Stepping Out magazine, which is one of the magazines I write for. And we just had a nice, you know, email relationship. I mailed him some, uh, I think I mailed him the Curse CD or one of my solo CDs, and he'd write back, hey, man, I dig this song or whatever, you know. Cool. And uh, then all of, all of a sudden, maybe like, uh, you know, uh, a few months later, he wrote to me, hey, what's going on with our project? You know, but I'm like, what? I said, what are you talking about, dude? Yeah. I said, we have a project? He's like, he's like, oh, that's my way of saying you want to write some songs together. Oh, cool. So I think secretly... I wanted to start a project with Nathan, but he's so much younger than me 
that I didn't want to ask him, like, hey, man, would you want to write songs with me? And, you know, the singer from Ancient Wisdom says no to the guy from Hades. It would have kind of embarrassed me, you know? Right, yeah. I really, ha- I've been offered, a bunch of people asked me if I wanted to be in their band or write songs over the, you know, last six or seven or eight years. And I always said, no, man, I, I play basketball. I travel with my wife. I'm completely happy without it. So I discover Nathan. I discover Ancient Wisdom. We start writing together. Um, I drove out to Cleveland one day. We rehearsed two nights in a row uh, in Nathan's basement. And then a month later, um, we uh, recorded. We had seven hours in the studio when we recorded our EP. And I'm, I'm, no, I'm, I'm hoping I'm not making this too long, but um, my wife and I were on a flight to Hawaii. The flight got delayed for 12 hours. And in those 12 hours, I negotiated a deal with Argonata Records. Um, and it was like shocking, the whole right. thing. You know, we had two rehearsals. We met each other three times. We spent seven hours in the studio, and we got a record deal. Right, and that, that, was, that first record release right. was an EP? An EP, right. yeah. six-song EP just called Vessel of Light. Uh, it's on Argonata Records. It came out last November. And, you know, that happened, and you figure that's it, you know? We're not, Nathan lives in Cleveland. I live in New Jersey. It's not going to be easy to do shows, but... Right. Over the winter, I play less basketball, and I started mailing Nathan more riffs and song ideas, and he calls me one day, and he starts singing the melody line to Son of Man, and I'm like, holy shit. Can yeah. I say shit on the radio Yeah, here? sure. And I'm like, holy shit, man. This guy like, knows what he's doing. And we just wrote 11 songs over the next couple months. Cool. And those 11 songs are about to be released as Vessel of Light on the Woodshed record. You mentioned the the Son of Man song. It's the fourth cut on this brand new record. Let's check it out right now on Talking Mummy.
Son of Man by Vessel of Light. We are here with Dan Lorenzo of Vessel of Light. So obviously Nathan, op- opposition from Ancient Wisdom is doing what? Vocals and yeah, drums? On, on, the record, on the record, Nathan started off as a drummer. Right. And he's, he's a really good musician. He plays the piano. He plays guitar. He's a musical genius, quite frankly. Um, and so Nathan on... On Vessel of Light Woodshed, as well as our EP, he played all the drums and all the vocals, and I did all the guitars and all the bass. And, uh, you know, we uh, actually his brother Michael from Ancient Wisdom played one guitar solo on the song One Way Out. Okay. But other than that, everything was done by Nathan and I. Right. Cool. And you are going to be doing at least one live show. Yep. Right. Tell us about that. September 29th, we're playing the Bowery Ballroom. Uh, we go on before Silver Tomb, which is Kenny and Johnny Kelly from uh, Typo Negative, and after them, it's oh, Life cool. of Agony. Right. And Life of Agony used to open up for nonfiction in the early 90s. And, nonfiction, uh, of course, was your That was my band, old band, my second 90s, band after yeah. Hades, yeah. And Joey Z was always uh, very, very into nonfiction. And I said, hey, man, I got a new band. I got a new album. Can we open up for you guys? And he said, yeah, man, the show's sold out, but right. jump on the bill. So... Sweet. They return the favor. So September 29th, Vessel of Light, we'll play our first show uh, at the Bowery Ballroom. And I recruited Jimmy Shulman on bass, who is from Hades. That's my next question. And Who's Ron Lipnicki is going to play drums. You know Ron. Yeah, Ron, of course, played with Overkill for many years in Hades. And yep. we, we jammed with him a bunch of times. Yeah. There's some cool footage. One of my favorite talking metal jams that we ever did was uh, you, Ron... John Astronomy, of course, myself, and uh, Rob Dukes doing Snowblind. It's unbelievable, yeah. right? How heavy Dukes just freaking yeah. nailed it, man, yeah. live. Yeah. Yeah, I just, that, that's one of my favorite things I've ever done, too. Yeah. Definitely that was caught on video and, and is live. I mean, yeah. yeah. How many takes did we do? We did like no, that, one or two takes. That was takes. the first take. Was I, that the I, take? I don't believe, I don't, I don't remember us doing second takes of anything, honestly. Yeah. 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 Wow. But yeah, that's, that was a fun little moment. Um, in talking metal history, and definitely, we'll we'll link that through the show notes on today's uh, website. Yeah, that's classic. Talkingmetal.com or talkingrock.net. And again, we're talking with Dan Lorenzo, who is part of Vessel of Light. The new record is just about to drop. Woodshed, what September twenty second? September twenty first. Twenty first. Okay. And it comes out um, on Argonauta Records in Europe, America. All that is heavy in Cobra Side. It's go- it's going to be on vinyl. CD, and then of course, if you're new school and you want it on iTunes or Amazon, that's you know you can get it that way. But if you want the lyrics and a nice fold-out CD with the lyrics and a little information, that's inside the CD and the vinyl. Can we play a second song? I would love for you to play a second song. All right, I tell you what, we're going to come back and talk a little bit more about your history. Before we do that, let's uh, let's keep it in the now and play another song off this great new record by Vessel of Light, Woodshed. What can we hit for the uh, Talking Metal list? If you could please play One Way Out, that was our second single. You got it. One Way Out. Thank you. There's only one way out So 
little vessel of light one way out. Dan, I wanted to ask you about the the title of the band because knowing Nathan's almost, and I, I don't mean this in a bad way, but over the top <laughs> satanic uh, vibe, which yeah. I love, and it's in in his uh, ancient wisdom band. Um, I found it interesting, Vessel Light. You know, because if I heard if I heard that name as a band name, it could almost be a Christian rock band. And I mean, you know, it's you, funny. Cause yeah. I'm, I'm on my way to take my mom out for lunch, and she's like, "I love that new name of your band. What is it again?" Vessel Light. Like, I love that. My right. mom's, like, yeah. Well, it, it does have religious connotations. Okay. Well, that was my that was okay. my my question because I know, you know, I don't know what Nathan's beliefs and stuff are but i i know like you said you have a you go to church every yeah. sunday and, yeah, yeah. and you're definitely a, a religious guy a spiritual yeah. guy uh how does that play into the name of well the band? when i spoke with nathan about lyrical subject matter i said look dude i said i can't be on stage i can't be recording satanic songs and i said but my wife and i love forensic files you know so there was this guy, I don't know if it was Joseph Liss, but he lived in New Jersey and he was super, super, what he considers himself to be super religious. Now, okay. when you say the word religion, a lot of people and justifiably picture people flying into buildings, cutting off people's heads or molesting little boys. You right, know I mean? Yeah. It's like, it's become such shit. But the, uh, so basically this guy um, had a bunch of children, his mother lived with him and he um, started, he was very wealthy, but then he started going backwards financially. So he said, instead of going, putting his... Tr- family through that, he's going to be like basically a vessel of light. He's going to kill his mom, kill his wife, kill all his kids. Oh, wow. So they would go right to heaven, which is very nice of him to, uh, you know, (laughs) nice, sounds like a nice guy, right? Of course, then he was too chicken shit to follow through, and he took off and was, you know, hidden for 10 years. He married someone else, but basically a vessel of light is when sometimes religious people become misguided, as we know, right? and they think they're doing something in the name of God, like, you know, whether it's suicide bombers or whatever. Um, so the, the lot of the lyrics are basically forensic files, true crime, you know? Wow. Okay, cool. Yeah. Very cool. And, oh, and as far as Nathan being a Satanist, yeah. you know, when I first is walked... Is he a Satanist? He is. Or is, it, is he it, is. that just kind of the but, vibe? I mean, but, you have bands like Ghost where it's yeah. like, you know, it's almost more of a theatrical No, he thing. is. Yeah. He is. But when I meet with him and his brother, they're the freaking nicest guys and like right now, I'm wearing an NWA shirt, right? right yep. These guys hate rap because it's misogynistic, it's homophobic, and they are not down with that. Right. So basically, the tenets of Satanism are similar to Christianity. You know, treat others the way you want to be treated. Don't infringe your will upon others. Right. So it's really, it's not a horrible thing. I mean, it sounds so scary. And last night I saw The Nun the mo- for the first time. My wife and I never go to movies. Oh, but wow. It's funny, man. Like, religious religion is a scary fucking thing. You know, I mean, like... Again, you know, the altar boy thing, it's like I'm, I can be embarrassed to say I'm, I'm a Christian who goes to church or a Catholic. But, right. you know, there's beauty in it. And there's also some really dark, evil, not cool things when, it, right. when you talk about religion. Right. Right. It seems too like one of the one of the things I was reading about Satanism, too, is, is a lot of there's a big idea that oh they worship the devil right like devil worshiping and yeah, satanism no, very are two different. different things to me like satanism almost sounds like a darker version of atheism mm. you know like in, in a way like that that it's okay that satanism satanists believe that when when a, a flood you know or a hurricane comes in yeah. and kills 400 people yeah that that's not a bad thing that's right. a, an okay thing yeah and, and that they view disease and 
and the, the the planet cleansing itself is is in and people dying not always as this bad thing. I don't know. I was reading something that Marilyn Manson wrote in some book. Like and you know, it's funny. Like ago. Nathan is a Satanist, and he doesn't eat meat because he thinks it's unethical. Right. I'm, I'm a Catholic. I don't eat meat because it's. Un, I think it's unethical. I mean, yeah. it's not. In, nobody in church ever tells you don't eat meat. But to me, it's like we're looking at your dog here. And I don't see the difference between a dog suffering and a pig or a chicken suffering. Right. And Nathan feels the same way. So it's really weird. We're total opposite ends of the spectrum, but we get along great musically. A lot of and yeah, we have yeah. a lot of common ground. It's awesome. And you can hear that in the music. And again, we're talking about Vessel of Light, the brand new album, Woodshed, here on Talking Metal. I do want to hit some of your old stuff because I know there's been some re-releases of the Hades yeah. stuff. And, and, and let's, you know remind the talking metal listeners about how great that stuff was but before we do that you mentioned the vegetarian stuff and just to get personal for a minute my mm-hmm. wife recently like within the last year she went vegetarian she's even mm. flirting with veganism here and yeah. there. she's still doing some dairy but not much um and i i it it, it i want to tell you what i'm doing and just get okay. your honest yeah, yeah. opinion on of course it. And you can tell yeah, me yeah. i'm full shit or whatever but i've i've really been um studying how horrific the cattle and yeah. beef and yeah, pork yeah. Um, farms are. Yeah. You know, specifically in this country, I'm sure it's probably a global thing. No, it's worse. Yeah. Is it? Okay. Yeah, much worse. And, and and it's really been a disturbing thing yeah. to me. And But I, I'm having trouble. I did give up meat for two months. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I felt like it wasn't really working for me. Mm-hmm. So. I've gone back, and my kids eat meat, and we right. decided that we're not gonna um, we're gonna let them make their own choice right, right. when they get older. But it's I'm, I'm going to these farms, and I'm right. like be- become really like almost obsessive about this, about making sure I'm buying meat that is pasture raised. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a comp- There's this this company that does humanely certified, which is a, you know I've been told. Pay no attention to free range yeah. or yeah, any of this, you know, yeah, you know, cage free. It's right. all bullshit. It is, but there yeah. are there are there are certain uh, people out there who are that seem to be doing the right thing when it comes to meat eaters, where where they are packaging this meat mm-hmm. and you have to pay more for it. You yep. have to go to special stores yeah, yeah. to buy it. And and you know, we made tacos last night for the kids, and we I was so happy because we used beef that I paid way a ton of money yeah, for it, yeah. but it was it was pasture raised right. on a farm which you can go visit. I mean what's your thoughts on 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 that well, as, as I mean, a like, vegetarian? I have vegan friends I got a vegan friend, my guitar tech Dan Garber, he's pissed that I still, you know, go to Starbucks for milk and I still eat cheese. I haven't right. gotten off that yet. Right. I you know, and then the opposite end of the spectrum, like my brother in law is a hunter. I've never touched a gun. Right. And there's people like I'll go to ShopRite and I'll hear house moms talking about how horrible hunters are. But hunters are doing what's natural, what's been done hundreds of years ago. You know, I don't, I don't want to shoot a deer, but it's, it's totally natural to shoot a deer. You're not torturing it. You're not right. cutting off its legs. You're eating it. You know, that to me, that's fine. Could I shoot a deer? Absolutely not. But you got mothers in ShopRite who are like, they pretend they care about the environment. They got six kids, they're driving, you know, enormous SUV, and then the worst thing possible for the environment is they're eating meat. There's nothing right. worse. So the, if I was gonna say, hey man, personally, if you wanna be super healthy and you wanna eat meat, and like people say to me like, oh, my grandfather ate meat, he lived to be 93. Yeah, your grandfather right. was eating a five-year-old cow that right. wasn't shot full of um, hormones to right. grow quicker. 
the cow was fed grass, which was its natural diet. Yeah. And nowadays, a cow, if you, get a, if you go to, say, Burger King, you're eating a whole bunch of cows that were raised and slaughtered at five months old. They With were tubes fed down their throat. Yeah, yeah. They, they were yeah. fed corn, which is giving them diarrhea, so then they right. get chemicals. So basically, about, I guess, 15 years ago, I was playing basketball, and some kid, I was playing hoops with this kid, and he's like, um, do you do drugs? I said, no, man, I'm straight. He's like, do you eat meat? I said, yeah. He's like... You do, and you don't do drugs. Like, right. who are you fucking kidding, dude? Wow. And I'm like, what? Pretty, yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, and I was like, and I, you look into it more, and it's like, yeah, I mean, so you could, like, I know a lot of people who say, don't tell me, I don't want to hear about the veal I, I'm eating. I want to enjoy this meal. And it's like, cool. Right. If you want to ha- have your head in the sand, that's fine. But then don't bullshit me and pretend you care about the environment if you're eating meat. Because if right. you Google I think it, that's a good point. And I, I was just reading this book. I forgot the name. I think Homo's. Homo deuces something. It's it's all about. It has this big chapter. Uh, it's on the. I think it's a New York Times bestseller right now. It's there has this whole chapter about how these these farms and these corporations like Purdue and stuff, yeah. they're killing the environment with with Absolutely, how yeah. how they're raising these animals. Yeah. And and this is a scientist who writes this book and he really spells it out clearly. And uh, I do think you know it is important to to think about what you're putting in yourself and where it comes from. And, and I believe it was Angela from Arch Enemy had a, had a cool quote once, which really made me think about things. And she was like, if you can't kill an animal, if you can't, she said, I have no problem with hunters. And she said, if you can't kill an animal, you shouldn't be eating an animal. And I thought that was a pretty powerful yeah. quote. And, and I think even Ozzy said that because he worked in a slaughterhouse when he right. was young. Yeah, you he know? did. Yes. Yeah. Um, but I also want to throw in there that... Um, I haven't been sick since 1988, 89. Wow. Um, I'm 55. I run around and play hoops with the kids who are 17, 22, 24, and right. I can go forever. So I think there's, if you don't want to get sick, I mean, if you do want to get sick, you know, smoke cigarettes, right. eat meat. I mean, if you want to feel great all the time, man, maybe just try it, you know? Yeah. And, and again, I mean, I, I still eat fish. So there's people who say, oh, you know, like Gina's a vegetarian now. I'm not. I'm a pescatarian. Right. Gina is Dan's wife. Yeah. Okay, sorry about that. Yeah, no, I, was, I, I just always try that because some people are like, when he says yeah. such and such, who's he talking yeah. about? Yeah, yeah. And like, I will, st- I, even though it's delicious to me, like, I stopped eating meat, I stopped eating chicken, I won't right. even eat a, um, an octopus because wow. they're so yeah. intelligent, you know? Are they? Are, they're so intelligent now that I feel bad eating them. But, you know, yeah. it's, it sucks for me because Pigs my. too are very what's smart. What's that? Oh, Pigs yeah. Are very smart. But my wife never had a taste for meat. If she smells it, she gets grossed out. Where to me, it always tastes great, it right. smells great, you right. know? But I, so I really, for me, it's a sacrifice. But it's been about, uh, I believe, 16 years since I stopped eating meat. Right on. Well, good for you. And let, let me also just touch upon your 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 career because so many people come on this podcast and you know they're they're a flight attendant in real life, right? And they're playing festivals with their band and yeah. stuff. And 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 I there's other podcasters who are school teachers I know of, but I, f- I feel like there's this weird thing like in the music and, and hard rock world where people tr- almost try to conceal Absolutely. what what they really do and what makes them money. And, and I mean, I'm thinking of another person I, I know who's been on this podcast, who's a life coach and that's where she's yeah. been a dental assistant and that's where she makes her real money. But you know, there's so, there's so, there's so much of that out there, mechanics, truck drivers, when they're not on the road, you know, but you, but you have, uh, no problem talking about what you do. Yeah, I mean, you know, tell us a little bit about. You see that guy from the Cosby Show who was working at Trader yeah, Joe's. Good for him, no, man. Yeah, good for him, man. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, there's nothing embarrassing about, you know, working hard. I mean, I think it's more embarrassing to be lazy, you know. I remember back in the 80s, and this might answer your question, um, I did a radio station interview, and they were asking me, like, hey, man, you make all your money from Hades? I'm like, oh, no, dude, I'm a stock boy at Macy's. Right. And my record label was pissed. Like, don't tell people you're a stock boy at Macy's. That breaks the illusion. I'm like, if you don't want to be a stock, me to say I'm a stock boy at Macy's, pay me enough that I can quit my freaking right, job, right. you know? Wow. So now I work for a company called Painful Pleasures. They're out of Maryland. We sell tattoo supplies. Right. And I've been there with them for three years now. We sell thousands of items. Like if you're a tattoo artist, you want to buy ink or whatever, you go to painfulpleasures.com. And I love my job. And because I'm in sales, it gives you the uh, freedom to like right now, I can sit at your house at 10 o'clock and do an interview yep. because maybe nine o'clock tonight, some guy from Georgia is going to call me asking, telling me he has a problem with the website. So wow, okay. when you're in sales, you know, to me, I don't mind working seven days a week or, you know, being available seven days a week. I mean, not like hustling on Sundays. I'm not going to say I do that. Right. But I try and make myself always available. But yeah, so I work in the tattoo business and the supply end of things. Excellent. And, uh, I, I got a tattoo uh, uh, earlier this year, which I wasn't exactly happy with. We're going to get it fixed tomorrow. I'm going to show you the design that, yeah. that your guy David came yep. up with. David Asari, I think it's almost tattoo. there. We're still tweaking it a little bit. But I okay. uh, just wanted to thank you for that. And I have my hustle butter right here that is uh, released by... Richie by and Seth. I hope you're hearing this, man. I'm going to send you the link to this. Hustle butter, which is two guys out of Brooklyn. And, really? Okay. Uh, it's so smelled, you, you distribute this for them? We distribute everything. Okay. I mean, we distribute uh, recovery, aftercare, hustle butter. We, I mean, literally anything the tattoo business, painful pleasures, carries. Awesome. Cool. Well, again, uh, check out painfulpleasures.com. Is that yes, the, sir. And you can, you can see what Dan uh, has going on there. And you also do, for a long time, you were a full-time employee at Stepping right. Out Magazine, yeah. which is a magazine here in New Jersey. But now you just do a column. Yeah, right? I, I was 20 years straight commissioned selling ads for Stepping Out. The last four years, I've been in the tattoo business, but I still love Stepping Out Magazine. Uh, I write for them on a monthly basis. And then um, a lot of times those stories will end up in skin art or um, outlaw biker or tattoo review. Very cool. And your career goes way back. Hades was really a part of that original, I guess I would call it thrash metal movement. Yeah. Uh, it was the old bridge militia yep. and where Metallica would come and crash yeah. on the floor. And you guys were there. You guys were a part of that whole scene. Yeah, man. And, definitely. And just any any memories, like general memories yeah. you can share of the scene yeah. blossoming. Was there a time, a point in time where you're like, wow, we're a part of something here. This is really something Yeah, when I look back magic. more, I think it means even more to me now because I have clear memories of the original version of Hades with Paul Smith on vocals, 1982. We played the Old, Old Bridge Militia's basement. And wow. We were okay. doing a cover songs then. We had 10, maybe six or seven or eight originals. And I remember doing, um, I believe it was Denim and Leather, and Scotty, and I, I didn't know who he was, but he was singing into my background mic. I'm like, who's this right. little kid trying to sing into my mic? Get away, right. man. I'm in the band, you know? Yeah. But, and then there was another time that, I mean, this one blows my mind the most is, I don't know if I ever told you this story, but Hades was recording in New York City at Chung King's House of Metal was the studio. And uh, Run DMC walked into the room, and Jam Master Jay got in my drummer's kit. And I was always interested in playing with famous people. Right. So this is a year before the Aerosmith thing happened. I said wow. to Run DMC, I got the greatest idea ever. 
let's do a song together. And they ran out of the studio as fast as I'm telling you this story and said, you can't mix rap with metal. You can't mix rap with metal. Wow. And then a year later, the Aerosmith thing happened. So it's weird, man. It's like, I've always been kind of right there. Like I'm a nobody, but I always had, you know, there's little things going on that I, you know, maybe if things went the right way, Hades would have gone a bit further. Right on, right on. And and the the history of Hades, so you guys were, what year the, the first... The first full-length album, Resisting Success, came out in uh, February of 1987. Right. And that, remind me the the label behind that originally. That was Torrid Records, which was um, Exodus's first label. So they had had Exodus, a band from Maryland called Tension, and they had us. Right. And then in Europe, it was uh, distributed by what was then called Road Racer. It became Road Runner. Right. So uh, that was the first Hades album, and that's like still the biggest thing I've ever done as far as people love it, you know? But um, it's it's not like something I want to listen to because I recorded it in the summer of '86, so it sounds right. kind of dated to me, you know. So you you guys did how many records before kind of the first end of Hades? We only did two. We did um, two. Resisting Success and If at First You Don't Succeed. And then the times were kind of changing. Well, what happened was, I mean, we were playing like we were literally opening up one-off dates. We'd open up for Testament one night. We played Lamore. We played with Megadeth. We'd open up for Slayer one night. We'd maybe do a five-day run with Manowar and Nuclear Assault. We'd open up for Anthrax one night, um, Death Angel, Danzig. I mean, right. everybody, everybody. And then we toured Europe in 1989, and we broke up. And uh, that's when I started nonfiction. But then Hades got back together and signed to Metal Blade in 1999. We did three right, records okay. for Metal Blade. Now, nonfiction was still, I would call it still metal, but it was more yeah. It was more, more for that time. Yeah, it was yeah. more 90s for sure right, when we looked definitely. back. I, I, I thought nonfiction had some some great tunes and you guys you guys signed to a major right was the first record well the deal was 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 grand slam which is brian mcavoy who sound who signed and re-released the first white lion album after white before white lion broke big okay so he used that money to start grand slam and it was him uh nonfiction and craig goley i believe was on the label in fact i know he He was was. he was just on the podcast yeah that's why i'm saying that and then (laughs) we had a deal where uh, it was going through IRS, so um, nonfiction in the know was Grand Slam IRS Records, and then we toured Europe and America, opening for Overkill, um, okay. both in Europe and America. And the yeah, nonfiction was my first baby. Like whereas Hades, I kind of felt like I wrote these riffs, and then the riffs kind of got buried by Jimmy and Tom because they wanted to make the band almost prog rock, prog metal. Mm-hmm. Whereas nonfiction, I feel like the riffs were embellished because Mike Christie and Kevin Bolenbach they kind of accentuated my riffs. So it was really like my heart belonged to nonfiction for sure. Cool. Well, why don't we, why don't we right now play a nonfiction song? What, what, can, we, what can we hit You on? can play anything. My favorite song is off In the Know. It's called Peaked. Let's do that one right now on Talking Metal.
a little nonfiction here on Talking Metal. And to take us out, I want to do some some classic Hades. Uh, I know there's a reissue out, right, of, of yeah. Resisting, right? Resisting Success. Resisting and- Success. And if at first you don't succeed, there's a little label out of Massachusetts called Dark Symphony, and they're going to release both of them on vinyl next year. Oh, cool. So Ted Tringo, Dark Symphony, thank you for that. But yeah, Resisting Success and If at First You Don't Succeed are available uh, with tons of bonus tracks and lyrics and beautiful layouts with photos on Dark Symphonies. Cool, cool. And uh, what what can we hear from Hades? What do you want to play for the... How about we play Rebel Without a Brain? All right, that sounds good. And Dan, then we're going to come back and wrap things up with Dan Lorenzo.
Little Hades, that song right there, Rebel Without a Brain. What year was that, Dan? Uh, that was uh, released in uh, 1989, I believe. Right. Okay. Or 88, actually. I'm sorry, 88. 88. But uh, there's a great video of Hades playing um, in Germany. It's HD. It's like tons of camera angles of the song Rebel Without a Brain. So check that out. Look for that okay. on YouTube. Cool. Um, and that was from one of the festivals? Yeah, that's from, from Bang Your Head Festival in 2010. We uh, okay, had cool. Kevin actually on bass. Kevin from Nonfiction had to fill in. Right. And Scott LePage actually played guitar, which he wasn't on the second Hades album. It was actually Ed Furman, but Scott flew to Germany and, and played it with us. Cool. And I tell you what we're going to do. We have some CDs uh, to give away that, that Dan brought over i left them upstairs that what were the they, that was the three copies the, of if at first you don't succeed the second hades record with a lot of bonus tracks awesome cool so if you want those hit me up with an email at mark at talkingmetal.com and just give me your address and say you want the hades cd and i will put that in the mail to you um if you want to add on a talking metal t-shirt they're 20 bucks i can also get that in the mail to you we have all sizes, small through 3XL. I, I found out I bought all these T-shirts actually from your guy. You hooked oh, me yeah. up with, I forgot his, uh, his name. His Pyramid Records or James the Benedetto? James. James. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I bought all these talking metal T-shirts, and we immediately sold out of the 3XLs and 2XLs. Really? Which tells so you know, you, yeah, yeah we, we have big listeners, which is, <laughs> which is great. So those are back in stock guys uh, and then then i ended up selling out of the the large uh and of course i've reordered i did a whole another reorder and now they're just all sitting here awesome. in these boxes so <laughs> we're trying to move them so for 20 bucks you can you can get a talking metal t-shirt if you don't want the t-shirt the cds are free i'll mail those out to you just uh just put like hades cd on the title line and email me mark at talkingmetal.com the first three people win a cd and I guess that'll about do it. Anything else we need to hit, Dan? I think we covered pretty much everything, haven't we? Yeah. And let's just remind people, Vessel of Light has a brand new CD. It's about to come out in just a few days. Woodshed. Check it out. Go listen to it on, what, all the normal platforms. Yeah. Spotify, Amazon yep. Music, iTunes. It'll be everywhere. And September 21st. Yeah. And... How do you say the label again? Ar Argonata Records from Ar Italy or Argonata in America. Records. You can buy it from All That Is Heavy. Cool. And I got my Argonata Records t-shirt. I saw that. I, I appreciate back, that. Vessel of Light in the front. Thank you. And uh, yeah, man, that'll do it for now. All right, brother. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Let's, uh, let's go back and hit the work you did with Bobby Blitz to take us out. The Cursed and Room Full of Sinners, right? Was the, Correct. Was the album, a great album, which I discovered before I ever met you. I right. remember getting yeah, a yeah. promo CD of it and really dug it. And we had actually played that on the podcast long before I'd uh, ever met you. Oh, but, thank uh, you. Yeah, that was, a, that was a really fun record. And you guys didn't do, what, many live gigs, one or we two We played one real show at the yeah. Highline Ballroom and Joey Belladonna opened up for us. And I remember him, Joey, walking in, carrying his own drummer's equipment. And he was such a nice guy. And he said, man, we got to write a record together. I said, all right. And then nothing ever happened. But right. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you just, well, you just hopped up on stage with Blitz the other day. Too, oh, yeah, right? yeah. yeah. Blitz well, and JD from Black Label Society. That was for a benefit for Turbo. And yeah, Ron Lipnicki and myself and Blitz, uh, we just did like seven cover songs. We did wow, some ACDC songs. With JD from Black Label Black, Society. Black yeah, Label I never Society met him before and yeah. we never jammed before. And Danny Watts, who was in the Bullet Boys, we just jumped up on stage 
and did some uh, ACDC and Black Sabbath covers oh, for cool. the uh, uh, Rad Benefit for Turbo. That was at Stone Pony? or where? No, that was at that little place in Long Branch. Oh, okay. uh, I forget the name of the place. Brighton Bar? Brighton Bar, Brighton yeah, Bar. Long Branch. Right. Okay, very cool. Excellent. So, anyway. Oh, and that's on my Instagram. If you want to see me and Blitz and JD, check out my Instagram, Dan Lorenzo CK. Cool. We'll link that through the show notes on TalkingMetal.com for today's episode. And again, support Dan Lorenzo. And definitely check out the new release by Vessel of Light, Woodshed. This is uh, a little The Cursed going back to what year? 2007. 2007. Okay. On Talking Metal to take us out. Thanks, Dan. Thank you so much, Mark. for joining us here on the podcast. Without further ado, our last interview, conducted by my wife, Emily Striegel, at Heavy Montreal back in late July. Pertruba, I always have trouble saying this. Pertrubator. Pertrubator. 
Pertrubator. There you go. That's it. I think I got it. Pertrubator. And we're going to hear the song Future Club again. Not exactly heavy metal, but give it a chance. Open mind, please, guys. And then we'll hear Emily's interview, followed by uh, one last song to take us out called Humans Are Such Easy Prey. And I thank you for everything, guys. Support us on Patreon. Buy a Talking Metal t-shirt. They're 20 bucks. You can buy one just by uh, you know sending me a PayPal donation of $20. All that info on how to support the show is on the show notes, in the show notes, listed on TalkingRock.net or TalkingMetal.com. Go to TalkingRock.net every day. Victor Ruiz is working hard putting up posts. And tell your friends about Talking Metal. Get them involved with this show. And thank you, guys. We'll talk to you next time. Here's a little Pertrubator on Talking Metal, followed by Emily's interview with Pertrubator.
Talking Metal listeners, this is Emily Striegel coming at you from Heavy Montreal. And with me today, I have James Kent from Perturbator. What's up? How are you? I'm pretty good. What about you? I'm awesome. I'm having such a nice time at Heavy Montreal. It's one of my favorite festivals. It's a pretty good festival. I love the... I love the warm welcome. I love the catering. Yes, and we talked uh, about the catering a bit. So far, I've only seen uh, one band, Power Trip, but they were pretty good. I saw uh, Power Trip. I actually got um, absolutely drenched by the fire hose when uh, they the turned it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those Maybe you missed out on that. Were you on the side? Yeah, I was on the side, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I love this band. I yes. love Power Trip. I'm really, really looking forward to your set this evening. You are closing out the De La Forest stage. Yep. Which is amazing. And so Heavy Montreal, this is my second time here, but I'm, I'm always paying attention to what they're doing. And mm-hmm. even though they always have a very diverse lineup, it's usually guitar-driven rock. Yeah. And here you are, someone in kind of the electronic genre, exactly. if, if I can say that. Is this a unique gig for you, or is this something... No, I, I'm, I got, I've gotten kind of used to it. Um, I've always played a bunch of uh, metal festivals. I've done uh, Brutal Assault, Hellfest in France... Oh, you did Hellfest. I was just talking about Hellfest. That's another oh, yeah. one I want to go to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I've done uh, the Drozen Black Mass, a, a lot of uh, metal festivals. For some reason, a, a lot of my uh, audience is uh, ha- has metal heads into mm-hmm. it. Yeah. You know. I don't know why or how. It just works. It does work. It, it, it just works. It yeah. does work. We're digging your music so much. And I mean, the, one of the things I love about Heavy Montreal and the diversity of the lineup is the fact that I always discover new artists. And mm. I actually discovered you through this. Because, you know, my, t- my podcast, we do a lot of classic metal and, you know, the shows we go to see. I don't have time to um, discover as much new music as maybe, maybe I would like to outside of the metal yeah. genre. Yeah, and so the fact that you know we've now been turned on to your music is really cool. I'm really looking forward to the set. Thank you. So tell me a little bit. I was reading. Um, are your roots kind of in metal? Were you were you a guitarist at one time in kind of a black metal band, or did I, did I read that wrong? No, no, it's uh, it's correct. Um, I was a I was a black metal guitarist. I, I was a guitarist in general, and I was a se- session guitarist in Paris, France, yeah. uh, where I'm, where I live currently. And uh, I've dabbled in black metal, death metal, but you know, local bands, n- nothing that really uh, stuck out or played anywhere outside of Paris. Yeah. Uh, so I do have a background in uh, metal. I listen to a lot of metal. It's my favorite type of music, of yeah. course. And um, yeah, when I started Perturbator, I wanted to make electronic music the way I made metal music mm-hmm. back, back in the day, like the way I wrote metal music. So, so how did that evolution occur for you? Like f- moving over, so you write the music the same kind of way, but when did you first say, I want to take this direction with my career? Uh, I think I remember it was uh, one of the last bands I was playing in. Uh, we kind of split up, and I remember the other guitarist from this band, a, f- a good friend of mine, uh, started a electronic project as well, more like in uh, more like hip hop, ch- chill wave, something very uh, very modern s- synth pop kind of thing. And uh, he completely blew up. He got millions and millions of views, like yeah. in a, in a in a in a matter of days, really. 
And at the same time, I was kind of tired of working with other people. It sounds bad, but... Uh, no, it, no, it doesn't. <laughs> I get that. A lot of people say that. Yeah, I, I yeah. got tired yeah. of, uh, you know, you know, make compromises and stuff sure. like that. So I decided, you know, I'm alone at home. I have a, I have a software. I have synthesizer. I can maybe mm-hmm. try to do something on my own. Yeah. Uh, inspired by the only thing I knew from electronic music back then, which was uh, soundtracks. John Carpenter. Yes. Vangelis. Yes. Those type of things, yeah. Great stuff. <laughs> I you. went to see... Um, I'm into the soundtrack stuff, and this is kind of going to... I'm going to lose on my listeners at this point, but... Um, <laughs> oh. uh, Johan Johansson. Johan Johansson, yeah. Um, who passed away recently, and... May hear us in peace. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, Olafur Arnolds is another one also who from mm. Iceland, I believe. Are they from Iceland? I don't know. Um, I have to think about this. But anyway, he also came from the black metal scene. Yeah. So I'm just saying there's something to this whole, you know, a lot of the metal and the, the whole... These well, the thing about black metal is uh, it's, it's, it plays a lot on the... It, it's a more at- atmospheric, uh, ha- how to say, vi- vibey aspect yeah. of metal. It's, it's some genre of metal yes. that is more atmospheric. It's more like w- walls of sound. Yes. You know. Yeah, it, and it can almost sound ambient if yeah. you listen to Urfurst or some, some You do like such that. an incredible job layering on those sounds to give us. It's Thank dark, you. but it's very warm at the same time. Thank you. So, and I know you've evolved a bit over the past couple of years. And I, I read a quote, and I, w- I want to read this. Something you said about your EP. I don't know if it was a quote or if it was something from a press release. But it was about your EP, EP that came out in 2017. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you kind of have this um, futuristic kind of, you know, there's always like kind of exploring the future is, is a part of, I think. Yeah, y- science fiction. Your vibe. Yes, the sci-fi. Themed, oh, my God. Yeah. Big sci-fi fan here. But you said, but this future is one based in our own eerie reality and not the retro futuristic fantasy explored yeah. in. And then you listed some of your previous releases. Yeah. This like hit me like in the heart when you said this. Thank you. Well, I've done a bunch of albums that were inspired by science fiction the way I used to see it as a child. So, you know, 80s movies, cheesy yes. stuff, which I, I still love. Love and it. I love still it. love and adore. Yeah. Uh, the latest album is more, it, it goes deeper, you know, it's more, it, it's more the, the future the way I see it. Yeah, and the way I, the way I don't want to see it, exactly. but the way I think it's gonna unravel, and it's something more darker. It's something more uh, in the in the lines of you know people will not talk to each other anymore. People yeah. will not. Yeah. It's something very somber like that. Everybody's gonna stay in their house and um, and just be on the computer or yeah. be in a virtual reality. Black mirrors. Yeah. Do you ever? A very <laughs> black mirror-esque future. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, which is, and it's a theme we're seeing through the metal genre and through film and through yeah. TV right now. Yeah. And Voivod. that's why. The Voivod. Voivod does, does yes, a lot of sci-fi. I miss their set. Yeah. Gosh darn it. I <laughs> Voivod does a lot of s- sci fi. Yeah, I think it's something I find myself drawn to based in what's happening, like, and globally. You're showing me that you guys are feeling this globally. It's not just people in the U.S. who are going through, like, yeah. Oh my God, it's the <laughs> darkest times, you know. Yeah, it's yeah, it's, it's pretty good. This is a global um, kind of vibe that we're yeah. feeling right now. <laughs> so yeah, very cool, and I, I I just really enjoyed that EP very very much. Thank you. 
Um, so, you know, we talked about a little bit about, you know, do you like sci-fi culture, books, movies? Yeah, you do. I you do. Like, you're, William you're Gibson, uh, Philip K. Dick, of course. Uh, movies, uh, Blade Runner, Akira, Ghost in the yeah. Shell. The classic, of course. Even some Alien. Sure. Yeah, a, a lot sure. of... From the goofiest to the more deepest, Solaris. Yes. From Solaris to n Night Beasts. I'm a big fan of um, the new Battlestar Galactica that was on Sci-Fi. I haven't seen the guy, it. Oh, you, I, I haven't think seen it I yet. just want to recommend you pick that one up. I mean, All the original right. I think is a little more goofy. The, the the more recent one that was back in I don't know 15 years ago or something. Yeah. That's a, that's a good one. To, to I'll check it. Uh, check it out. I'll, I'll check it out. I'll check, check it out. out. <laughs> All right. So um, one question I like to ask some of our uh, our guests. Mm -hmm. is, you know, albums that meant something to you. Maybe not the best album in the world or that, you know, I'm not asking for a top ten list. Yeah. But, you know, like albums that meant something to you and, and kind of why, like one or two, whatever. Oh, I have, I have a couple of them. Um, Ulver, Shadow of the Sun, is one of my favorite albums of all time because Ulver started out as a black metal band. Well, you know quote-unquote black male band and they've dabbled afterwards in uh, uh, trip-hop music soundtrack music orchestra music mm -hmm. and with shadow of the sun they brought an album which is almost entirely p piano and voice and it this album showed me that it's a beautiful album it's a very very sweet listening and it's not a lot of metal fans won't get it, right. I guess. But right. it's an album that showed, that proved to me that you can do anything you want. Yes. And you don't have to be stuck to one genre or style yes. or you know, you can make a derivation on your sound. Yes. That's really cool yeah. that you said that. That's been a theme that's come up a lot lately is mm -hmm. that more I think we're more accepting now of people that don't fit in a box. Exactly. You, know? yeah, you don't yeah. have to fit in a box. It's very important for me uh, that musicians try other things I, I'm very I don't like repetition I don't like when a band releases five albums and they all sound the same yeah. and it could have been you know you have to keep evolving I, I like I like I like evolution I like to yeah. see artists try even if they fail I respect the yeah. the the courage it takes to try something new I love that that's Thank fantastic you. Such a pleasure to meet you. Thank you. I'm so looking forward to your set tonight. And um, I hope you come back on Talking Metal sometime soon. Will do. I hope you like the show. Thank you very Thank much for you. having me. Thank you.